You're listening to an Imagine More podcast. The presentation you're about to hear was recorded as part of the 2021 Get That Good Life Conference. We've split this session into three parts. This is part two. So I'm going to talk about a number of strategies now. So powerful ways for that team to work together and learning these ideas together um, is really a good way uh, to kind of work on communication um, to make sure when it, when something happens that's unexpected or, or something isn't working out, it's rarely one person's fault. You know, there's some communication difficulties um, and the best thing you can do is just learn together. Um, I, this is just to say there's a lot of strategies I'm not going to be able to get to. Um, except just maybe with a word or two and a few that I'm going to spend a bit more time on. People who know me well will not be surprised that one of the strategies I do want to spend some time on, although um, I'm going to focus in on some pieces, is this little strategy. It's a, a planning and design implementation strategy. It's really saying we've got kind of limited time, limited resources, um, a person who's really keen to get on with their life. How do we not waste their time? How do we make sure that we're strategizing, building situations in which roles, relationship, and places of belonging are more likely to occur? You know, after years and years and years of working with families, working with people with disabilities themselves, this little strategy that I, I call building a context for a relationship, uh, it just never fails for me. Uh, and partly because it's hugely based on some of the ideas of social role valorization, which has been around a lot longer um, and a lot more rigorously than, than this idea. So it's got some good underpinnings, I would say. So for people who know this, you can just test yourself to see if I've forgotten anything. And for people who, for whom this is new, this will be far too quick. I just want to make mention that um, there is a, a workshop by this name that I did with Imagine More. So there might be um, some possibility to recoup that for people who want it. And there's a couple of books. Uh, we Come Bearing Gifts is the first book. The second one is Our Presence Has Roots. This second book is available on Amazon, but they fourth, fifth, and sixth chapters give a lot more explanation around this concept. So um, forgive me for being brief. I could uh, do this in eight hours um, quite full, fully. So we'll see where this goes. The idea really is, is that because we can't create relationship, we can only build situations where relationship is more likely to occur. And what we found out by building these kinds of situations, by paying attention to five elements other good things also evolve. You know, people have identity. They have places to go where they're welcomed. They're able to give contributions that people welcome and um, are looking for. Um, and the opportunity there is uh, that, that some relationships of, of various degrees uh, might arise. So really, this is saying starting with the um, interests of the person with the little gold star, and it always starts with the person. And what we can figure out are the interests of the person. Um, more and more, when we go through the strategy, I think the better you have a sense of the person, not just because someone says, oh, she's interested in uh, nature because she's always been interested in nature. But what is it about nature and what uh, in particular might you think about that is like the, the little kernel. Uh, that you get to nurture throughout. So really making sure it's the interest of the person, not of the paid supporter, not of mom and dad, not of older sister, but really it's something that um, the person is in interested in.
Secondly, we end up looking for um, places in community where other people interest. And it's one of those brainstorms. You don't try to limit it by anything except that we're not looking for places where people with disabilities congregate, even in, you know, 50% numbers, uh, you know, reverse congregated groups or semi-integrated kind of groups. We're looking for real places in community where other people who don't have a disability, who hold the same interest, kind of gather, get together, um, show their interest. And we're particularly looking for places where the person could be present on a frequented basis because it's seeing and being with people time after time after time that provides a larger platform, a larger possibility of um, relationship developing of people actually knowing each other. And so that's needed at both ends. Both parties need to check each other out. Fourthly, people have to come into those places in community on a regular basis where they have a genuine interest and they need to have a role to play where they are more than just the spectator observer walking through. So we have lots of people walking through uh, museums and libraries and festivals just walking through and saying, I was there, I didn't get any friends. And what happens is we forget this element of role, and we're going to spend a few minutes on that. So let me just say that role, an engaging role, where someone is actually making a a wanted contribution, is the power of this uh, model. And then fifthly, um, the thing that happens all too often is we design situations that are totally dependent on just the support person being there and the person. And therefore, you know, there's no third or fourth party that could even uh, get to know the people. And so these are uh, things that we have to keep in mind um, all of the time. And so, you know, I say things like, you know, um, going for long drives, walking the malls or um, relaxing at home are fine for parts of your week, but the part where you've got your very best support person and want to put your all into a carefully honed kind of uh, design um, isn't the place uh, where you're going to do that. There's no opportunity for people even to remotely touch you in those scenarios. Let me just do the same thing with a little bit of an illustration. Um, Tiffany Daw is an artist of growing repute, I think, in Dura region. Uh, a friend of mine now, uh, I was in paid employment with her family group for many, many years, and I didn't have claim to that word friend, but I think I've, I've shown my time and worth in the eight years since, so we are good friends. But there was a time in her life in her early 20s where we were trying to decide who was she going to be, how was she going to make her mark on her community, how was she going to make contributions in her neighborhood and beyond. And we tried many things. One of the things uh, someone noticed that she was interested in color, she was uh, noticing kind of small, small things uh, that caught her attention. And so um, we did uh, a, f- a few different things, but spent a lot of time exploring whether or not she had the heart and soul of an artist, or she would be simply a craftsperson was the other, but it was art she was actually drawn to. So on the side there, you see that the artist was the main role. So once we felt we knew her great interest in who she could be, we asked ourselves, where are the people in Durham region who are into art? Who are they? What are their roles? What are they doing with their time? And we had pages and pages of results We're about 20 years into the development of this role, and it's still new and fresh things evolving all of the time. So um, 
some of the, uh, the, the smaller roles, which are kind of, um, sub roles to the, uh, large art role. Um, she over the years has become a, an art student of different teachers, different groups. She's a painting group member of, uh, eight or nine people get together, um, once a week and paint together at a local art gallery. She's an art card seller, promoter, uh, creator, uh, actually. Um, she's a, a, a gallery volunteer at a different gallery. She's an art guild member because artists join art guilds and someone's got to do the work. Uh, she's an art exhibitor, um, and she's been a finalist in several art competitions. There are other roles as well. I just ran out of um, space. But this is that theory, that that framework, building a context for a relationship. We've gone with something that she was interested in. We explored it thoroughly. We figured out where are the other people in Durham region who have uh, this interest? What are they doing with their time? What roles do they hold? Which of those are available to Tiffany? Can we get her to on a frequent and regular basis? Do we think she might um, really enjoy the way they interact and be together? And year after year after year, we try out different things. And some things hold forever. Uh, so the painting group, she's been a, a member of that for probably 10 years. The art guild, she's probably been a member for 20 years, right? So layers and layers and something she's just trying for a year or so. We did some trying to get her art into fabric. Um, she was so bored by that process. We, we had to let it drop. So not every idea is a good one, but we had lots to work with. So this is this idea that building a context for a relationship in action around a real life. So thanks, Tiffany, for being my my muse. Out of that concept, there's five different elements and one is role. And there's four big ideas around role that I want to leave you with that are pretty important. Uh, the first one is we need to think in roles rather than activities. Most of the time, we go around trying to fill people's time with meaningful activities. But when we talk in role, role brings with it purpose, identity, links with other people, routine, responsibilities, chances for contribution. These are the things that we're looking for for people's lives. So it's much more powerful to think in roles rather than activities. Let me give you another way to see this. So when Tiffany at the very beginning was simply painting, it was an activity that filled the Tuesday afternoon. And our question, our everyday question is, what would she do as we went around looking for other activities that she might like to do or need to do her shopping, her banking, that kind of thing. When we started to think in terms of role, what we asked, what we were saying is, if Tiffany's an artist, um, what are the activities or sub-roles connected to uh, that role of artist? So who is she going to be and how will she make a contribution? And that led us to, uh, this was her week at a glance, simply around her role as an artist at one point. And you can see all of the different things that she would do in a week that would fill out her week and help affirm her identity and deepen her identity as an artist, brought her in contact with a lot of people, the, some people time after time after time, uh, gave her reasons to get up in the morning, work that she had to get done, some commitments that she made over time. So life was a lot lo more like yours and mine. And what that draw drew us to understand is that we could think for people, help them think about holding three to five roles in their life instead of 35 to 40 activities over the course of the week, right? It was way less exhausting, way more meaningful, and really helped uh, Tiffany to um, affirm her place in her neighborhood and in her community. And so thinking and role um, is very, very powerful. The second idea related to this is we need to help people learn the skill 
if someone's interested in something and we need to really figure out what those interests are, spend some good time at it, we need to move to role thinking. And we do that by this question of who could she be? So instead of asking, what can she do? What can she do to fill her time? Uh, if we ask, who could she be? It is so much more powerful. So I want you to think about an outdoor music festival. What are roles at an outdoor music uh, festival? Close your eyes. Remember the last festival you were at. Um, who are all the people other than the spectators and what are they doing? You know, what, what's the role that they carry, right? So roles are nouns. He is a, he is the, um, whatever. And that's how we help identify what we're talking about. At times, people get super creative around this. Um, the security person is one. Sometimes there's little things that catch people. Like, you know, my son likes to feel important in a crowd. Well, the security people wear vests, sometimes carry a walkie-talkie. So that might really uh, fit someone's kind of side interests. The check-in person yeah, giving up tickets. These days, they put those colorful wristbands on people, which are, are kind of cool to put on. Someone always needs to cut off the long dangling tab. Uh, could be a performer, ticket scanner, bartender, um, uh, sharing a love for all dancers. And you might then be um, the assistant to the stage that has the dancers, right? You could be the roadie in particular uh, for a stage that uh, looks after that. Um, you could work it. You could be an information booth volunteer. If you just think of the booths alone, there's food vendors, there's first aid officers. The one I go to, there's always a fire truck there for some reason. And so they have people around uh, kind of exploring the fire truck. So they have um, firefighters there, but they have other volunteers who escort people around the fire truck. They might uh, hand out pamphlets and information. Uh, there's usually information both of every kind. And, uh, you know, often the people there simply are handing out pamphlets, information. They can sit easily with another person by their side and be very, very involved in that kind of thing. And so at one point we might have said, oh, the music festival, well, he's not interested in music. Um, that's actually not why you're going to think about all of the roles at the music festival. You're going to kind of let that free and you would be surprised at you know, somebody who loves cars, um, they might be part of the, the parking brigade, you know, handing out the, the stickers that people put on their car or, you know, uh, having a flag and waving people through or standing by someone at night and having a light and making sure people get out safely. There are people who could, could care a whit about music and get really excited about those roles. Drink seller is one food vendor. And, um, this is a great exercise for your team to take a large, it could be um, a walkathon event, it could be uh, a large um, arts event, music event, environmental event, and get people to really, really brainstorm what are the roles that are there, um, and then check it out, right? We get to go and, and figure that out. And don't forget, there's the whole organizing group, and the organizers are the people who aren't only there for the three-day event, but do this year-round. So. Anyways, that's just some good exercise uh, to kind of do that. And then you want, you know, also people to really get this difference shifting from um, interests into roles. So if he's interested in books, he could be a librarian, um, a reader, a collector, um, a bookmaker, if he's interested in gardening, et cetera, et cetera. And you could say, you know, if someone's interested in 
in books and he could be a collector, uh, that immediately fills way more time than you might imagine just being interested in books. So a book collector might be uh, looking at, on the, the net and at stores for titles, might be buying for other collectors, might be uh, looking for reviews, might be writing reviews in terms of book collecting. So uh, our thinking and role just helps us explode with ideas and we need to help team members learn to do that. This is just one that a group did. This is a very small family group and somebody was interested in books. So we said, he's interested in books. Where are the people who are also interested in books in our area? And what kind of roles could people be in while they're showing their interest in books? So we had another way of drawing out the same information. Again, really fun to do. Um, and this could be one where you might just bring in the sister of your uh, son with a disability, you might bring in her and a couple of her friends to do some brainstorming around particularly work or young people's interests, young people's music, that kind of thing, and just, uh, just make it a fun, uh, a fun kind of time. Another big idea is at the heart of role is contribution. So I see role as the powerful engine of our uh, powerhouse team. And understanding it gives people such richness. So the heart of role is contribution. And if you want to deepen someone's role, you just imagine what could they be contributing. So don't stand back and wait to be asked. Think um, about this. These are contributions of being. These are the softer ones. These are the, the gifts that people um, bring to people's lives. But the other more concrete contributions that people have is often people have time. They have money in the sense that they have time to gather money or fundraise in some ways and figure that out. They often have expertise. Lots of people have such narrow, deep interests that they have statistics off the top of their head um, that people uh, just really, really appreciate and can use in various ways. Some people are really, really patient about things. So there's all kinds of uh, contributions that people can make. And then there's all of the hospitality contributions like, you know, loving to bake for people and make people a cup of coffee or bring people a cup of coffee. And uh, th these are all ways that we can really deepen role. And I'm going to show you how uh, this is done quite easily um, around the, the fourth big idea. And that is, there is a lot of power in small familiar roles. The roles of family member, neighbor, and friend are roles that we know really, really well. Uh, we don't have to research or anything. We know what is a good front family member, and we can stretch that a little bit. Let me just tell you a little story um, in this vein. This is a, a man named Brent. And uh, Brent, uh, sitting around, they kind of thought, you know, that he is a, a member of this family, so he has a family member role, but actually he doesn't act like any of the other adult family members in our, in our family. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't help out in any kind of way. And so they quickly decided that, because uh, Brent had been going shopping for years with his dad, loved pushing the cart, choosing the items, that he would begin to be the family grocery shopper. And he did that. He loved it. Dad was particularly pleased. He did it with a little bit of paid support. So he really took it on for the family. And uh, when he was doing that, during that time, his grandmother fell and broke her hip and um, the family gathered together and they asked Brett if he would be the, the shopper for grandma. And Brett's mom was kind of teary-eyed and said, it's the first time in 26 years anyone in the family thought Brett had anything to offer. And so he started shopping for his grandmother. And while he was at her building one day, this woman here uh, said, boy, I wish someone would do my shopping. And so for a little pay now, he also does her shopping. And so it's really taking the idea of what can you do with the family? How can you make a contribution to his family? 
This is a great exercise in the family. Who could she be? Spend some time at that. She could be the meal planner, the family photographer. You can do the same thing for um, in her neighborhood. Who could she be? And in the community is a bigger question is what she's interested in. Uh, and so the role really is the engine of this uh, powerhouse strategy. But I am going to get to others. Um, if people said, well, what about during COVID? During COVID is when Callie started, started her Miss Callie's Fur Baby Treats. And she started a little uh, dog biscuit making uh, company because she's uh, allergic to dogs but adores them. So she's got this safe distance from dogs and um, uh, contributes in this way. So there's a longer story of everything else she was doing during COVID. But there's nothing stopping people to be super creative during this time. The number of kind of small neighborhood uh, businesses and contributions that we figured out during this time has been really quite wonderful. I did want to talk about this really um, influential strategy when you're thinking about the part of uh, building a context for relationship. Uh, that's where are the, uh, the people uh, pulled in and how can you make sure that relationship is part of your strategy? And this is the support triangle, and it simply says, um, you challenge your support team members or even you as a family member. How do you stretch the time when a third person is involved in your conversation, in your walk around the clock, in your drive to the grocery store, in your chat at the turnstile at the library? How do you bring people in and how do you think of ways of, uh, of keeping them there? Um, so that they want to be there. You don't want to trap people. You want to entice them. You want them to enter into the conversation and be a part of something. And uh, it's really helpful for support people to understand. They already know the person really well. Most of their support in these situations, they've already designed the rest of the situation. Um, for this part, uh, they're supporting the third part person, the new person who doesn't know the other person in their communication. And we need to support that again and again. And around all of the support relationship, I just want to remind people this takes an awful lot of time. Um, sometimes uh, good things are happening, fairly good things from the start, better things off after a year. Uh, you should wait and see what happens after three years. Wonderful, wonderful deep things happen. You've been listening to the Imaginable Podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to review us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And go to imaginemore.org.au for more great content.